This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. If you will, turn in your Bibles to the third chapter of Proverbs. And this is our lesson text today from the Old Testament. And I, I'm going to read it, first of all, from the New King James, and then I'm going to read it from several other translations. I want us to really understand the, these two verses. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, I want to read verse 9 from the English Standard Version. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. This is the King James. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. The New American Standard Version. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. The New Living Translation. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Christian Standard Bible. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your entire harvest. Now, in all of these, there's a certain word that I have circled. The word in English stand, well, I would, if, if I were going to write in this Bible, which I don't write in this one yet, I would circle the word all in Proverbs 3, verse 9. All of your increase. In the English standard, I would I've got circled all your produce. King James, all thine increase. New American Standard Version, all your produce. New Living Translation, everything. I've got everything circled. And then the Christian Standard Bible, I've got the word entire. Your entire harvest. We are to honoring the Lord with our first fruits. And what we have learned thus far in our studies is that God owns everything, that God is the owner of everything, wants to give us blessings, and, and he has given us and blessed us in so many different ways, and that as, as a recipient of those blessings, that makes us a caretaker or a steward we're to take care of the blessings that we have. We're not to abuse them, and we're not to use them foolishly. Uh, I, I think sometimes I have done that in years gone by. I tried to do better today. But now we're going to find out that 
as a steward that we're to honor the Lord with everything that we have. I, I kind of like the Christian standard way of putting it here. The first pr produce of your entire harvest. Everything you have, you ought to, to do your very best. We're not to give God what uh, 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 is our, our leftovers or the scraps that we have left over. I, I told Louise and we were studying this lesson together and, and uh, I said, you know, reading this, I think of a, where I preached one time and, and there was a little fellow that would have wait on the table and, uh, and I knew that he did not have much, but it was the way he went about giving to the Lord that sort of, sort of struck me strange when it came time to give that they would, before he would pick up the plate to pass it, and there were only two plates. They would one go this way, one go that way, and he would ease up to the side of the table he would run his hand down in his pocket and turn his pocket wrong side out and dump all the change in the plate. <laughs> he may have given everything, I don't know. He may have given his best, I don't know. But we're going to look at that. Now, what we want to learn first of all is that even in the Old Testament, God required man to do the very best that he could, to give of his best. For example, the first illustration we have is that of Abel offering the best of his flock. Uh, Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, he said, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, the offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. Now we're indebted to the Hebrew writer to expand on that just a little bit by saying that uh, by faith all Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. His was more excellent. And uh, the late Howard Wooldridge, who preached down at Bile Battery for many years, but many other places, this was in his older days, Howard was a Bible scholar. And he wrote some material that the late V.P. Black included in one of his books on giving about Hebrews 11 and 4. And Howard's explanation of more excellent was greater in quality as well as greater in quantity. He gave what God asked him to do and he gave as much as God asked him to do. He gave his best, didn't he? Now let's look at Abraham and from Genesis chapter 22 and I assume that you have already studied this. I'm assuming that. Uh, and if not, I might be assuming too much, but we're going to plow right on through it on the basis of that assumption. In Genesis 22, what sacrifice did God ask Abram? His, he was still called Abram at this point. What was the sacrifice he asked him to make? His son, uh, was it just, uh, it, was his, it was his, how many sons did he have? He only had one son. He, off, he, 
ask him to go and to offer his son as a sacrifice. And Abraham's reaction to that request was what? Well, he, he made preparations, didn't he? He got the wood, he got the fire, he got the, he got the boy, and there, here's an entourage going off. And they get some distance away from Mount Moriah where he was going to offer him. And he, he told those with him, you say, stay here because the lad and I will go yonder and do what? Worship. We're going to go yonder and worship. And if you have read the story, you know that God, that Abraham was about to take the life of his son. And what happened when he, when he was about to plunge a knife into the life of the body of his son? What happened? God stopped him. And, uh, uh, and of course, God supplied the, the uh, sacrifice, the ram caught in the thicket. Yeah, right. Again, we're indebted to the Hebrew writer to expand on that a little bit in chapter 11, verses 17 to 19. And there the writer said that Abraham had so much faith in God, he believed that if he took the life of his son, that God could raise him from the dead. Now, what was so important about his son? You go back to Genesis 12, don't you? The seed promise that God was going to bless all nations through the seed of Abraham. And of course, that's we explained in Galatians 3 and verse 16 that that seed promise was Christ. Jesus' lineage, his ancestors, he came through the, ancestor of, the ancestry of Abraham through his descendants. And so that had to do with the seed promise. And, and someone said if Abraham had taken the life of his son that he would have killed more Jews than Adolf Eichmann ever thought about killing. Not so because God could have raised him from the dead and the seed promise could still have been fulfilled. But Abraham gave his best and uh, he, his seed was going to be multiplied as the sands of the seashore and, he, and his descendants would be as numerous as the stars of heaven. So he gave his best. Now there's a statement made about David in 2 Samuel 24 and verse 24. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which... Now help me fill in the blanks. Cost me what? Nothing. In other words, I'm not going to do something cheap for God. If I offer a sacrifice, I want to do the very best I can. I want to, I'm not going to offer something that doesn't cost me. And, and, he, and David was offered a cheap way, but he refused it. Adam Clark, uh, commenting on this passage, said, and this is a, a quote from his commentary, he who has a religion that cost him nothing has a religion that is worth nothing. And I think I'll have to agree with Mr. Clark. So we, we, I will not offer that which costs me nothing. There's got to be some sacrifice 
involved. Now, the Jews in the Old Testament were commanded to give of their best. We just read Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 from several different translations, and they were to give the first fruits of all, all or of everything that they harvested, of all their produce. And then in uh, Leviticus chapter 22 and verse 20, when they came to offer animal sacrifices, they were told that whatever has a defect, that you shall not offer, for it shall, be not, uh, shall not be acceptable for you. Uh, then in verse 22 of the same chapter, the blind or what else? Broken or maimed, or that which having an ulcer, or eczema, or scabs, ye shall not offer unto the Lord. They, they may say, well, you know, it reminds me of a gospel meeting I held, a tent meeting I held. Nobody had asked me to hold them a meeting, so I got me a tent and had my own. And as a member of the church up in Evergreen, who lived 15 miles out in the country, right had a, ran a country store there at this crossroads. He said, you can put it in my backyard. And we filled a tent up every night with people from the community and from around about, uh, about 100 people every night in that little old tent meeting. And when it's over, he said, I want, to give you a, I want to give you one of my pigs for holding the meeting. I said, oh, you, you can't do that, R.J. He said, yes, I want to give you my pig. I want to give you the best one I've got. I said, no, just give me the runt. Everybody's got a runt. Give me the runt. I'll take that one. He said, no, I'm giving you the best one I've got. The best one. And he said, I'm going to take it down to Conecuh Quick Freeze. I'm going to have them to process it. And all you have to do is go down there and pick it up and pay for the processing. Our family ate high on the hog that winter because R.J. gave his best for that meeting. We ought to give our very best. In Malachi chapter 1, and we were not going to take time to read this, the Jews failed to give their best because they offered that which was defiled, that which that, uh, animals that were blind or lame and sick. Uh, maybe there was one got caught in the thicket and punched his eyes. Well, I'll just give that one to the Lord. No, you don't. You, you give the very, they were taught in the Old Testament to give their be, very best. And the Lord was not pleased with less than the best in the Old Testament. Honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruits, the very best you've got, off the top. Joe Bailey was a barber in Eight Mile, Alabama. He was a member of the church where I was preaching. And uh, uh, Joe had a man work for him in his shop. And Joe would pay him at the end of the day, at the end of the week, and, and he would pay him in cash and said the fellow would stack his money up and then he'd take some off the top. He'd count, he knew how much money he had and he'd count a certain amount off the top. And he had put that in one pile and the other was another pile. And Joe asked him one day, said, what are you doing? He said, what I took off of the top 
is for the Lord. He said, I always give the Lord off the top. I think that's what the Jews were commanded to do, to give the very best they had. Now, what about in the New Testament? What are we taught about it in the New Testament? Well, as an example, in Mark chapter 14 and verse 8, and this is Mary, and it said that they, they, they were upset with Mary because she had this a very costly spikenard that she was anointing the body of Jesus with. And he told them, leave her alone. Said, she's come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. And this is what Jesus said. She hath done what she, what? Could. She hath, is come beforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. In this verse, he, Jesus commends her for doing the very best that she could. And her gift of ointment was worth, I don't know what it'd be worth today, be it 300, 300 days labor in her day. And I don't know what the cost would be today. It's probably a lot more than $51. I, I didn't update that. But it likely cost her her life savings. That's how much she loved Jesus. And she gave the Lord the best and not her leftovers. Now, Let's turn to Mark chapter 12. And look at this as the story of the poor widow and her two mites. Someone says, well, I, I, threw, I, I threw in my two mites. You may give what the widow gave, but you don't give like she gave. <laughs> okay, this is chapter 12. And it starts in verse uh, 42. Let's start verse 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. Guess what? When the plates passed, he still sees what we put into the treasury. We've had uh, years ago, Brother uh, Johnson was passing the plate. He said he passed it to one fellow and he thumped the bottom of it to make it sound like he put something in. Thumped the bottom of it. Well, the Lord saw him thump the bottom of it, okay? Maurice, I couldn't think of Maurice's first name there for a minute. Maurice Johnson. So the, he, the Lord saw what the people put in, and many who were rich put in how much, what, how much did they give? A whole heap, much out of their abundance. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrant. So he called his disciples to himself and said, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For well, they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had her whole livelihood. 
I have observed this ever since I've been preaching. Ever since I've been teaching these kinds of lessons. And I figured up the other day, I wrote these lessons 55 years ago, and they're just as relevant now as they were 55 years ago. The, pardon? The Bible is, yeah, the Bible is still relevant, although some trying to change it up a whole heap. The most liberal people in the church have been the widows in the church. They don't have the great abundance that others might have because of their status in life. But proportionately, the widows have been the most liberal and the most uh, faithful in giving to the Lord. Uh, it says that she put in two mites and uh, that uh, if you were to calculate uh, inflation, from 1880 to 2023, those two mites would be worth $471,106. I believe that's what I figured out. I, I, I've got that figure down here anyway. It's 2,255% increase since she gave. She didn't have much to give. The others gave out of their abundance and she didn't, what did she have left after she gave? Nothing. Except her trust in the Lord. Did the Lord think she had given too much? A friend of ours named Rose and Rita knows her, Rose Gladwell. Years ago, she came to me, and she and Jack were not, I mean, they lived from like a lot of us lived in that day from week to week. He, was a, he worked at the funeral home, and I knew what Jack made, and it wasn't a lot of money. They had three children. One of them got killed one, one uh, afternoon, but, but they were having it hard. So one day she calls and she said, I've been working for Nielsen Flower Company. Rita would know that about that. She's some Evergreen, in case you didn't know where Rita's from. And she said, I earned $65 this week. I knew what that meant to that family. She said, I want you to help me figure out how much out of that $65 I'll give to the Lord. Well, I said, Rose, I can't do that because that's between you and the Lord. I, she said, well, do you think $25 would be enough out of the $65? I said, Rose, do you think you can afford to give that much? She said, Billy, 
I am afraid if I don't, God will take away everything I've got. I said, get it. And she did. There was, a there was a flower shop right beside the funeral home. They eventually owned that flower shop. She owned a dress shop. They had a house that was paid for. God blessed them. When you give to God, it is a win-win proposition. What about the Christians in Jerusalem? Acts 2.45, that's point C here. They sold their what? Their possessions and goods imparted them to all men as every man had need. Here was the situation. Here were people gathered in Jerusalem from all over the then known world and, and uh, they didn't have their credit cards with them. They, they didn't have the means to, to stay so long. They, they became Christians while they were there and they're staying over. The Christians uh, uh, all took all that they had and they parted it to all of these people who had gathered there to help them survive. Christians are still doing that today. Over in the Ukraine, Christians are helping the people in Ukraine to survive over there. But these people gave sacrificially to help the people in Jerusalem. And Barnabas, this is what Barnabas, what is said about Barnabas having, having land, he sold it and brought the money from the sale of the land and laid it down at the feet of the apostles. Acts 4 verse 37. In the next chapter there's Ananias and Sapphira had a piece of land. They sold it. They kept back a part of the money and they came to lay that money down at the feet of the apostles and they said here it is leaving the impression they gave it all. And what happened? Poor Ananias and old sister Sapphira. They dropped dead because they did what? They lied. They lied to God. That's what Peter said. Why have you lied to God and the Holy Spirit? They lied about their giving. If we are to, this is an important statement. We, we, we are trying to restore, the churches of Christ are trying to restore New Testament Christianity all over the world. And if we restore the church of the New Testament, we must restore the spirit of liberality that characterized the early Christians. You say, well, do you think God expects me to take my check, put all of it in the collection plate? No, didn't say that. They did not say that. But God expects me to give the very best that I can. Now turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is another example of those who gave their best. And that's the Macedonians. The people of Macedonia. Let me read verse 1 through verse 8. Because I, I, so that you can help fill in the blanks. Moreover brethren we make 
known to you the grace of God bestowed on the church of, churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we, we would receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. They were taking up money to help poor Christians. And not only as we hope, but they first did what? They first gave themselves to the Lord, then unto us by the will of God. So we are urged Titus that as he had begun, so we'd also complete this grace in you as well. But, and, but as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also, the grace of giving. The Macedonians had been through great three civil wars that left the, the, the Macedonia impoverished. And when Paul wrote about them, he said, they, what kind of poverty were they in? Deep poverty, deep poverty. The bottom of the barrel poverty. Brother Rex Turner used to say when he was a boy living at Corner, Alabama, that he was poor as Job's turkey. I have no idea how poor Job's turkey was. But these were people were in deep poverty. And they, they, uh, their attitude was that we're begging you to take our gift. They, they actually, they, they probably needed help themselves. They may not have had, an, they didn't have an abundance, but they gave out of deep poverty of what they had. And what was left, what was the first thing these people gave? They first gave themselves to the Lord. Gave themselves. Until, till we first give ourselves to the Lord. It's going to be hard for us to give anything else to the Lord. It'd be hard. The first thing you've got to do is to give yourself to the Lord. I remember I was in school. Some missionary came to speak in chapel. And he told this little story about the missionary going from one village to another. And, and he would take up goods out of this village to carry to the next village and that was in need. And. And he said there was a little boy that, a little one of the little native boys, and this little native boy uh, said he had nothing to give. And he said, I know what I will do. I'll just give myself, and I'll go with you to help distribute the goods. Well, that's where we start. We start by giving ourselves to the Lord. And the, the purpose they're offering was to by in the giving of their offering they were proving their love I want you to look in verse 8 again and in your love for us see that you abound in this grace now look down in verse number 24 here in 2 Corinthians 8 from 
Well, I'm, I'm in the wrong chapter. These pages that want to stick together this morning. They're so cold, they just want to hover together. Therefore show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. These churches had promised to give. Paul said, I want you to show how much you love the Lord, how much you love them. And so I would say, yes, they gave their best to the Lord. Paul was in prison, and this is the top of page number 11. And uh, he said, I have fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. He gave his best to the master. He was ready to die. And he said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. I've done my best. And, and God gave his best. Uh, Romans 8, 32, what did God not spare? He, he did not spare his own son. He gave his own son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, so what we've learned thus far, and we've got about six or seven minutes left, that in the Old Testament, people gave the best they had. And in the New Testament, all these examples show that people were very, wanted to do their best. Even God gave his best. Now, doesn't it seem logical, sensible, that, that if, if God gave his best, others have given their best, that God wants and deserves the best that we have? Uh, There was a, I have a, a story here I told Louise. I said, when I re, rewrite this and I'm going to have it republished because there's so many mistakes in these outlines that I, well, not many, but a few. I got to update this little story. A man, and I'm going to update it as I tell it, bought his wife a thousand dollars. He went and bought himself a thousand dollars worth of clothes. Bought him a new suit, nice pair of shoes, new tie. Man, he was ready to go. He got to thinking about it. If I go home with all them clothes and I don't take my wife something, I won't be in a bunch of trouble. So he stopped by this clothes store where they buy sell dresses and he didn't know dresses cost that much. He found one, he knew his wife's size, at least he was kind of guessing at it. And he better hope he got it right and they didn't get it too big, I can tell you that. Too little's okay, but too big, that's bad, man. That's bad. So he buys her dress, let's just say it costs $200. It just knocked, about knocked the feet out from him to pay that much for a dress. So go, he goes home and he's got his $1,000 worth of stuff over here in that hand, $200 worth of stuff in that hand. He hands it to her and says, Honey, here, this is just how much I love you. This is how much I love you. 
Ladies, would you would y'all be impressed by that? Uh, anybody, any of you be impressed? Is there a man here be, that would dare do that? Ken said he wouldn't do it. He better not have he, Dor Dorothy. No. We need to give our, we need to give the best we've got to God. Ah, pardon? First, yes. I've always been of the disposition that whatever you do in life, you ought to put everything you've got in it and do your best at it. One of the first jobs I had was working at a grocery store when I was about 14. That's when I first got a Social Security card. And I did my best in that store. I worked hard. Then I worked for Brother George Chumley in the wheat field, combining wheat, sitting, filling them sacks up and throwing off, sealing them up. That was a nice, one of the nicest jobs I ever had. But I worked hard. I did the best I could. Then I went, when I went off to school, before I went off to school, I was working in an international paper company before they closed it down. And I put everything I had in it. I mean, I gave an all-out effort, so much so that the foreman came around and said, Son, slow down. You're making everybody else look bad. I thought, what do you mean, man? All I'm doing is working. I believe anything we do, we ought to do it heartily as unto the Lord, Colossians 3.23. And do it with love, yeah, yeah. But when I give, I ought to do the very best I can. And I'm to put, where, am I, what, where is the kingdom to be in my life? First, Matthew 6, 33. And when we put the Lord first and the kingdom first in our life, and that would include our giving and and lots of other areas of our Christian life. What's the Lord going to do? He, all, he said, all of these things will be added unto you. And the things that he's talking about was your food, your clothing, your shelter, the necessities of life. You're not going to, you're not going to go without. You may not have as much as you want, or what you want instead of eating a big thick roast or steak you might have to eat a chicken wing or a chicken neck but you're going to be able to live none of you have ever eaten a chicken neck you know what you're missing mercy when I was coming up, that's kids didn't get the best. Adults got the best, and we got the leftovers. And I liked the chicken neck, and and I always I always kind of made it a point to get the pulley bone. You can't even find a pulley bone in the chicken. They don't put them in chickens anymore. I guess I don't know. We're going to have to resist the devil if we do our best. 
David Lipscomb, the founder of what's called now David Lipscomb University in Nashville, told his students, this is back many, many years ago, more than probably 175, 200 years ago, that one Sunday he was decided he was going to give $5 to the Lord. Now, that had been a lot of money back in Lipscomb's day. That had been a lot of money. When we were in school, and $5 to us was as big as a bed sheet when I was in school, if we had $5. But he said that the devil tempted him not to give it. So he said what he did is just doubled it and gave $10 instead. And he said the devil never bothered him again about his giving. So what we take out of this is when we give to the Lord, we give the best we have. Not, not what's left over. Not, not out of the scraps of our life. We give him the very best of our means. We give him the best that we have. And the Lord is worthy of the best that we have. I've often thought he is a that he's worthy of, of more than I can ever do for the Lord. He's worthy of better service than I can render, better sermons than I can preach. He's worthy of better giving than, we, than Louis and I give. And, and, and so give our best to the Lord. Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits, all thine increase. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.